Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I want to go back to Colossians 2 one more time as we're finishing up this series tonight on understanding the importance of gratitude. Grateful people are faithful, full of faith. If you live a grateful life, you will promise, I promise you, you will see it affect your faith walk with God and it will make a huge difference in your walk of faith of how you can trust God and walk in this powerful, awesome blessing of what we have of a faith walk with our God. Colossians chapter 2, so I'm going to come back here again for just a moment. I'm going to zero in here real quick on verses 6 and 7. I'm going to add a few tonight, and then we're going to continue on to complete this this, uh, teaching tonight of understanding how we can better cultivate a daily life of gratitude. So here we see the importance of it and how powerful it is. Again, verse 6 of of, uh, Colossians chapter 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, say I did by faith... So do what? So walk in him. So walk in him. One aspect of a translation from the Greek language here says, keep living united with him. Keep living united with him, which is a walk of faith. Because if you're truly walking united with him, you're walking in trust and in faith in him. Now I want to emphasize a little bit more tonight what the very first part of verse 7 starts off with, rooted and built up in him. We're not discounting relationship because the truth is gratitude has a lot to do with your focus on him. So clearly, one of the things that I'm going to work with our guys on coming to into the new year is actually how to be able to get in a place, if you're not already, of a daily time of walking with God and seeing how that will change your life and transform your life and how we can practically do that on a daily basis because we need to be rooted and built up in Him, especially in the day we live in. We, we need that relationship with God. Think about the significance of that as it relates to trusting in Him because, again, as I gave an example this morning, I couldn't really trust uh, Josh or any person that I really didn't know with things that would be very significant in my life if I obviously didn't have an understanding of who they were and can I truly trust them. So this relationship is big and it's huge as it relates to us understanding faith. So we've got to be rooted and built up in him and therefore established in the faith as Paul said to the church at Colossae, you've been taught how? Abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we can abound. Say, I can abound. Now, abound just means more than enough, uh, above and beyond, that we can have above and beyond faith, how? Through thanksgiving. So if we, would learn to, if we will learn to cultivate and live a life of thanksgiving as a child of God, this will help our faith immensely in what we walk in. If you think of it from this standpoint, go to Luke 17 while I'm talking about it. Go to uh, Luke chapter 17 for a moment. Let me show you an example here. If you think about it just in a basic perspective, I mean really simple to understand. If you are walking with gratitude, what kind of attitude are you going to have every day? I mean, you're going to have a whole lot more positive attitude in life if you're walking with gratitude. 
It's us getting in a position where we're no longer walking grateful in relationship to stuff we're dealing with that causes us to have a negative attitude. Well, that's going to affect your faith in a negative way. That's going to hinder your ability to walk in what God has for you, obviously just from a bad attitude perspective. So it affects a whole lot of your life. Our pastor has a powerful saying, and he says all of the... Every door, thank you. Every door in life swings on the hinges of, of gratitude, thanksgiving, how grateful we are. So if we want doors of what God has available to open to us, gratitude is what opens those doors. Because again, it brings to us a greater faith, an ability to put trust and faith in God and no matter what situation you're in and to see God work. How many need to see God work in some areas in your life in 2024? Now, how many know we're going to do our fast as we normally do at the end of the year? And we're going to have our, how many still got your list of stuff from last year? Anybody working on still some of that? The year ain't over yet. But I'm going to tell you what, one of the things that's going to be on the top of my list for 2024, believe it or not, is to truly recognize living my life every day grateful to God. And, and, and get out of all the negative, negativism of the world and all the negativism of all the things that go on in life and circumstances in life that literally we get all caught up with, honestly, most of which really is not a big deal. You know, if you think about the basic little things that irritate us day in and day out in the light of all eternity, that stuff really is meaningless. So understand the power of gratitude. Luke 17 is a great example of this, what we're talking about, how it actually brings about an abounding faith, a great faith. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, it says it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he had passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers. Say lepers. There was ten men who met him, and they stood afar off. Now, they stood afar off because they weren't permitted to be around people in public. They had to keep their distance and stuff because of how contagious leprosy was. Verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, underline this, have mercy on us. Now, this is a good thing, but I'm going to show you as well, not only is that something we should be doing, but we should take it a step further when it comes to walking by faith in the area of gratitude. So all 10 of them said, have mercy on us. Really, when you talk about God having mercy on you, what are you asking him for? Please do not deal with me in a way that I know I deserve based on the fact that I'm a sinner, but please therefore be merciful to me. And honestly, you could add to that and show grace impart to me what I know I don't deserve. And they're asking for something they don't deserve. They didn't do anything to deserve getting healed of the leprosy. Thus the reason they're calling for him to show mercy. But aren't you glad we have a merciful God? Hey, say this, his mercies are new every morning. Think about that. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. (laughs) His mercies are new today. Praise the Lord. Verse 14 14, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, this is a unique healing here. Some things we should point out in the midst of this story because 
Instead of going over, laying hands on them, instead of calling them healed, instead of saying that they're healed or anything like that, realize again, this is significant for me and you as it relates to ministering to people because the most significant way to truly seek success in life in what you do in ministering to people or anything you do is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. So clearly Jesus did things based on how God led him. Remember what Jesus said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. So clearly he already knew from a direction from the Holy Spirit, this is what God wants me to do. So when he spoke to him and said, go show yourself to the priest, why would he tell them that when they're asking cleansing from leprosy? Because if you had leprosy, and now the leprosy actually from the perspective of God healing you has been healed, you are still not allowed to go back amongst people in context in public nor return to your homes with your families until you went to the priest and then the priest looked at you and examined you and if he saw the leprosy was gone, he would pronounce you what? Clean. Clean. You're clean. You're clean from the leprosy. You can now return back to normal society. So what Jesus is doing, which he does this in relationship to everybody in the context of the New Testament, he's trying to get them, listen, he's trying to get them to release faith. Say, this is a part of what, see, this is a part of what we got to understand as it relates to gratitude. The more we can speak with gratitude on our lips, the more of the faith of God we can release through our life. Faith for most people is obviously not something that really is as big a deal as we oftentimes make it out to be, other than we're just not using it like we should. So clearly, they had to therefore do what? If they wanted to be healed, cleansed, they had to go show themselves to the priest. So what's he trying to get them to do? Get to a place where he can get them to release their faith. Now, here's the key for them releasing their faith. If he said, go show yourself to the priest, so is there anything yet at all of evidence that that leprosy is gone? No. So what is it required of them now if they truly want to receive what he has available to them? Listen, they got to release their faith. What proves they released their faith? They went. They, they knew. So if he told us to go show ourselves to the priest, they're not knowing exactly. That. Really, and, and you think about it. A lot of times I love, you know, I, I know like when Matt teaches, I'm the same way. I love to put myself in the position of different people in that story, in that situation. So if I was a leper and I heard Jesus say that, how would I take that? How would I take that? Now, I know he's capable of doing it. I wouldn't have come and asked him. But I mean in the sense, what I mean by how I would take that, sure, I'm going to go, if I believe his words, I'm going to go show myself to the priest. But I mean, I would be thinking in my mind how that's going to happen. How it's going to, so I'm thinking probably when I get to the priest, right? When I show up, finally get to the priest, right? When the priest looks at me or maybe the priest is going to do something or whatever. I would have never thought in my mind as I'm going, it would disappear. I would have thought it probably will happen when I get to the priest. But the point God wants you to do is release your faith and just simply trust him. So, and this is why we talk about a point of contact. You know who taught about point of contact probably better than any minister I've ever heard in my lifetime? Oral Roberts. You know who saw more miracle healings than a lot of people did on the planet who God used? Oral Roberts. And I'll tell you what he taught in all of his crusades. You have to understand a point of contact. Why? So think about a light switch, right? If you want to release power to go through that light switch to the light and turn the light on, there has to be a point of contact, which means I go to the light switch. I now have a point of contact, which I can now do what? Click, release my faith, right? 
You have to have a point of contact, some place where you establish a time to say, I release my faith, and the minute I do, I know he's working. He's working. He's working. So these guys, the point of contact was the actual action to now go towards the priest. You don't need to worry about how that's going to manifest. Your point is release your faith and do what he said, act upon the word, and just let it work. So again, he, he tells him, go show yourselves to the priest, verse 14. And so it was, notice this, you ought to underline this, as they went, they were cleansed. What if they wouldn't have went? They wouldn't have been cleansed. Because he didn't want them cleansed? No, he did want them. He did want them cleansed. Well, again, a lot of people would say, well, why did you do it this way? Let me help you. Argue that with God. Because even Jesus didn't know. He just obeyed the Father. So a lot of people get hung up on the, why did he do it that way? Let me help you. It worked. He obeyed God. He did what God told him to do. They obeyed God. They did what Jesus told them to do. And guess what? They were cleansed. Say they were cleansed. <clears throat> now, most of you know this story, but that just means the leprosy has gone. But the leprosy had done its damage. Leprosy eats off body parts. Leprosy destroys uh, different parts of the body, even to the degree of some losing, losing fingers, hands, feet, you name it. Uh, now, obviously, these guys probably haven't lost their feet. They're walking to the priest, but I'm just saying it, it, it's, it's detrimental to the body. So they were cleansed of the leprosy. Say, leprosy gone. But what I love about God is God doesn't just want to cleanse you of what it is that attacked you. If it has taken from you, he wants to restore back to you. Are you listening? God doesn't just want to get you free of what's attacking you. If it has taken from you, God wants to restore back to you. This story proves this. Absolutely proves it. So very clearly he said, they were, it goes on to say they were cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them. Now this is the amazing thing about the story. One of them. So back to me picturing I'm like one of these 10 lepers. So as they're going, now they didn't get to the priest yet. They didn't get there yet. But on the way, guess what they noticed? You know what, I'm seriously, uh, you know, they're kind of looking at each other like, because they could normally recognize it. Like, wait a minute, I don't see it. Well, look at me. You know? So they're not even to the priest yet. They're just on the way and all of a sudden they're, it's cleansed, right? So at this point, instead of going to the priest, one, one says, I'm going back to Jesus. Who allowed this to happen in my life? So he turns around and goes back. This one returns. This is powerful. This is absolutely powerful. He's, he, uh, uh, where I'm at? Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, yes. cleansed of the leprosy, returned. Yes. With what? Tell me. Loud, loud Excuse me? Loud and he did what? He glorified God. Now see, faith, honestly, truthfully, I understand it. Faith gets excited before it receives. Now, a lot of people say, well, he's getting excited after he received. Now, he's cleansed from the leprosy, but he's about to receive restoration. His praise, and, and I don't, he didn't expect this. I don't think he came back thinking, if I praise Jesus, I'm, I'm just going to, all he was thinking is one thing. I am so thankful that he cleansed me of this leprosy. That's all he's thinking about. So notice this. He went back. And he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, and glorified God. What did he do? How did, how did Abram, how did he strengthen his faith? Giving glory to God. What is that? What is that meaning, giving glory to God? 16, he fell down on his face at his feet, doing what? 
giving him thanks. Now notice this, he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Were there not 10 of you cleansed? Jesus is asking this. Where's the nine? Where's the other nine? So in multiple ways, we could approach this to say what we think he's thinking, but we don't know. Clearly, he's wanting to recognize the fact that there were 10 of them completely cleansed. Why are the other nine not here to give thanks? But now that, guess what? He wants to see a completed work. Notice this, 18. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, relate that back to the children of Israel, right? Every time God did a miracle, did they really glorify God? No, they just celebrated because the problem was gone. You listening? They honestly didn't really glorify God in those situations. They were just glad that the problem was gone. But it didn't take long for the next problem to come, and they were complaining again. So it says clearly, Jesus said, is this only the one, the foreigner that would return where, uh, verse 18, were there not uh, any found, notice, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, underline this, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. What made him well? What made him well? What was he doing? He was glorifying God, how? Giving thanks. Giving thanks to Jesus for what he had done. What does giving thanks do? Causes your faith to abound. So here he is just giving thanks to God. And now Jesus doesn't say you're healed. Jesus says go your way, you're well. Now a lot of people will just, I'm seriously, just from a perspective of, of not even really taking time to study it, think all he's doing is acknowledging that he's well. Well, so are the other nine if you just take it from that perspective. But that word's different. So when it says, as he went, he was healed, that's a different word than the word well. Healed means cleansed of the leprosy. Well means he's now been made whole. Completely whole. What's that mean? I believe, as most scholars believe, who will even tell you from the Greek language of this, that he just received all his body parts fixed. Because God's not a God who just wants to get rid of the problem. Again, if it's affected your life and taken from you, God wants to restore Doesn't the Bible say he will restore to us what the canker worm has eaten? Absolutely. So this is the difference between somebody who was truly grateful and nine others who were glad they no longer had leprosy, but they weren't grateful like this guy was. Why? Why was one so grateful he returned? Why were the other nine not there? Why? Well, if you compare that again to the children of Israel, the truth is, this guy really wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on the Lord and how grateful he was for what the Lord had done for him. The others were focused on, honestly, on just what they needed at the time for themselves. And when they got what they needed, guess what? They were good. They were okay with it because they weren't really, quote unquote, focused on Jesus. They were just focused on what they wanted. Now, I've heard Brother Hagin say this many times. He actually knew a very famous tennis player who needed healing in her body. Go to Hebrews 13. Uh, A tennis player who needed healing in her body. And initially, in trying to minister to her, he said, why do you want to be healed? She said, to play tennis. And the Lord said, I won't heal her for that reason. 
But I'll heal her because I love her. I'll heal her because I want to bless her, because I want to honor her with health and strength. But if her whole goal is just to keep going and playing tennis, that's not why I want to heal her. I want to heal her so she, she can walk with me in health and strength in her body and have the kind of relationship that obviously she should want to have. And when, the, when he conveyed to her that the reason you should want to get healed is because you'll bring glory to God and what he's done. And therefore you can have a relationship with him. She said, you're right. And the Lord healed her. Now, I'm not going to tell you God's going to hold back healing for people in faith, but I'm just going to tell you that the reason that we should want to be healed is to glorify God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. So back in Hebrews 13, 15, where we were this morning, let's pick this up again really quick. Verse 15. Therefore, again, by him, by Jesus, Jesus, what he's done for us, let us continually offer. So how often should we be doing this? You should be learning to do this every day. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. What is the sacrifice of praise to God? He tells you that the fruit of our lips is doing what? Giving thanks to his name. Giving thanks to his name. So what this tells us is you and I should learn to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving or gratitude. Gratitude. Now, let's get into some keys of how to do that. You want to do that? Same chapter. Back up. Let's start here. Verse 5 of the same chapter. So we understand we should continually be living a life of sacrifice, uh, excuse me, of a uh, uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving, doing what? Giving thank, uh, sacrifice of praise, excuse me, giving thanks to God. How often? Continually. Meaning what? Every day. Every day. If you do, all it's going to do is help strengthen your faith. It'll give you a whole lot better attitude on life, and it'll certainly help you live out a, a much happier life. Hebrews 13.5 tells us a clue to start with. Verse 5, let your conduct, how you live out your life, be without covetousness. Yep. Come on. Covetousness. So what's covetousness? <clears throat> you, you want something in relationship, not necessarily uh, just what somebody else has would be included. You just want stuff. You want, you're, you're about stuff. You're about what you can get in life. About things, about what you want to have a hold of, what you want to be able to uh, have as possessions in your life, etc. Let your conduct be without covetousness. How do you know that? Read on. Listen, be content with such things as you have. Amen. See, covetousness, covet, if you're covetous, guess what? You're never content where you are. You're always discontent. You always, it doesn't matter if you wanted something and you got it, there'd be something else you wouldn't be happy about. On and on and on. So that is not how you want to live life. You want to live a non-covetous life, which means that you're content with the things you have. Watch this, watch this. Here's how you do that. For he, the Lord himself, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen to that verse again. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have for... He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's he trying to say there? If you want to walk in gratitude, quit focusing on you being grateful about stuff. Start here. You ready? Number one, be grateful that you got God. Be grateful you got God. The, the, The people that live a content life literally live that kind of a life because they're grateful they have the most valuable thing in their life, God. If I've got God, I've got everything I need. Say it, if I've got God, I've got everything I need. How could you not be content with having God in your life? 
because there's nothing more valuable. I promise you there isn't a single form of anything you could own or attain of status in this life that will bring to you the joy, the peace, the, con- the true contentment within, the strength in your life that you need to face it. None of the aspects of the things in the natural of what you could obtain or attain to would ever cause you to come to that place. Only God can. Only God can. So if you want to live a grateful life, anybody want to live a grateful life? Get content with this. I have God. I have all I need. Say it. I have God. I have all I need. If you've got God, even if there are needs in the natural, you've got the need meter. You got the way maker. Can I get a better amen? But if it's always about stuff, it's always about uh, attaining something that I want or some status that I want to get to or whatever. How I many you know when you get there? I've, I've shared this with you many times. I mean, I know this of Charlie Sampson. I know this of Ted News. I know world champion bull riders in my life who got the coveted gold buckle. But you know what? After getting the coveted gold buckle, thinking that my life is now complete, guess what they found out? It's not. You know, the amazing thing about any aspect of any type of a natural type of thing of attainment of something you could own or something you could get in the context of the rodeo world, when you go up there on the, uh, which is coming up at the final round of the NFR and it's over and you go stand up on the platform with everybody and they present your saddle and your buckle and all that, guess what happens the moment you step down off of that platform? Now, actually, believe it or not, before you stepped off that platform, the, previous, the, the New Year's already started. You listening? All that you went through to get to that moment has already ended before that moment ever started. Because the New Year, they now end the, the, the previous year in the rodeo world. It ends now at the end of September, October, October, September. I don't know. They've changed it <coughs> to where all money won. Going into the National Finals Rodeo ends. You cannot, if you win anything else at a pro rodeo after that, it starts going into the next year. So even before they actually step off the platform, guess what? The New Year's already started. Meaning what? Here we go again. Here we go again. So can you ever find true contentment, happiness, and joy in the things in this life? No. You know why? Multiple reasons. Number one, because guess what? They're inanimate objects. Number two, they're temporal. Say temporary. temporary. You know, you could always say Charlie Sampson is the 1982 world champion bull rider, but guess what? That was just for 1982. Then there was one in 83 and 84 and 85 and 86 and 87, right? So the point I'm trying to make is how is it so significant we understand that God, number one, has to be what we're content with? Here's why. He ain't going away. No, he's not. He don't change. He's there always, forever and ever. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen. So if he never leaves me nor forsakes me, guess what will never leave me nor forsake me? The love of God. The joy of the Lord. The peace of God. Come on, the goodness of God. The faithfulness of None of that will ever leave me nor forsake me because God won't. So this is why one of the keys to gratefulness is getting your eyes off of, as we've been talking about, yourself and all the stuff, and get your eyes on God who you can truly find contentment in. Amen? So be content with the fact that you have God in your life. You've got all that you need. Praise the Lord. Because without Him, you can't go into eternity, by the way, with Him to begin with. So in this life, thank God you've got all you need if you got God. Go to 1 Thessalonians. 
1 Thessalonians 5. These are just some practical things to start with to really help you grow in a position of gratitude towards God. So the biggie, number one, realize if I got God, I'm content. If I've got God, I'm content. Well, if you got God and you're content, guess what you should be? Grateful. You should be grateful because I got what I need. Got all that I need, I got God. Moving on to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 16, 17, and 18. You there? Verse 16. Rejoice how often? Now, you're always going to see rejoicing, praising God, which is glorifying, magnifying God, as we've already talked about, and gratitude go hand in hand. So rejoice how often? How could we do that? How could we rejoice always? Just go back and apply Hebrews 13, 15. The fruit of your lips giving thanks to God. Rejoice always. Pray without what? Stay, a simple way to say it, stay in constant communication with God. Don't, don't think like for those of you that, I know you probably don't, but those of you that come here for Monday night prayer, don't think that's the only time that you pray or talk to God. You should be talking to God all the time. Staying in constant I like the way Pastor says, I'm staying in constant communication with headquarters. 18, in everything, say everything. In everything, do what? Give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, this is a challenging one, but here's what you got to do. In everything, give thanks. Guess what that means? You got to learn, number two, to practice. You've got to learn to practice giving thanks in every situation. You got to learn to practice it. What you practice, you get good at. In everything. Everything, everything. Yeah, but look at my marriage. Look at my finances. Look at my health. Look at my situation with my job. Look at this. Look at that. Listen, in everything, 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 give thanks. What am I supposed to give thanks for? I'm about to show you. I'm going to give you an area of the Bible to go to that will help you so much in walking out gratitude in your life. But the point here is, if we're supposed to do it in everything, guess what that takes? Practice. Practice. Because I promise you, when all of a sudden everything is going your way, you feel like God's blessed you in every way with all that you've ever wanted, all that you needed in that moment of time. It's not hard to be grateful or thankful. But guess when it is hard to be grateful or thankful? When all of a sudden something happens in the day you didn't plan on. Something happens in your life in situations, in circumstances, whatever, that obviously was not what you wanted or not what you wanted to see happen. And probably God didn't even want to see it happen. But if you truly want to see your faith abound and work in that situation, what do you got to do? Be grateful. You got to remain in what? In an attitude of thankfulness towards God. So this clearly says that's what rejoicing always is about. Rejoice always, even when you're in the dungeon locked away in the stocks. Right? Constantly talking to God and always doing what? In everything giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So that's telling you in verse 18, how many want to see the will of God in your life done? How many know that's going to take faith? So to see the will of God in your life done, guess what you got to do? Learn to give thanks. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God or this is how you see the will of God fulfilled in your life as a child of God. So in every situation to give thanks, do I thank him for the situation? Thank you, Lord, for allowing me this hardship to go through. No, no. In the midst of it, what are you doing? You're going to have a list in just a moment of things to thank God for. I'm going to confine it to one word overall, his goodness. 
Because in the midst of what you're dealing with, it doesn't change how good God is. It never does. We often can allow the enemy in the midst of a challenge or a bad time to think all of a sudden, if God's so good, why is he allowing this? Let me help you. This is all because of the fall. It's because of sin that entered the world and or wrong choices we're making. Realize that we reap what we sow. If we make bad choices, we can reap consequences for that. Thank God our God's gracious and merciful. And he can even help us out of the dumb decisions we've made. But understand in the midst of what you face, what does the devil want you to do in a hard time? Make you think God abandoned you? That God certainly should have done something about this. Why is he allowing this to go on? I can't even tell you how many times with Christians I've even known who have been in spirit-filled churches have said, I just don't understand why God's allowing this to happen. I just don't understand why God doesn't do something about this. And I tell them all the time, number one, realize the fact that he's allowing it to happen is only because sin entered the world and man made a choice. And because of that, guess what? He's got no choice in whatsoever be able because until the time comes when he's going to deal with all this stuff and end it all, we're still going to deal with stuff. But he's giving you a way out. He's not the problem. He's the solution. But in the midst of all this, you can't be blaming God and thinking somehow God must have let me down. If that's true, then Jesus didn't fulfill all that was needed for you to walk in victory. But he did. Say, God didn't let me down. What's the greatest proof of that? The death of Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and re- uh, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. So understand, it's easy in the times of challenge and trial, and we all go through them. We all go through them. Even in the midst of our daily lives, little things that can irritate us and get to us to the degree that we lose our gratitude. And the more we allow that to affect our life daily, not only will it affect that situation where God can't work because His will's not being done, it will continue to become a pattern that we fall into in many situations in our life. How many want God's will done in every part of your life? Verse 18, then in everything, what do you got to do? Give thanks. In the times of hardship in relationships, in the times of hardship with physical battles, in the times of hardship with even financial challenges or even social challenges or situations within the earth of what goes on within the earth, stuff that happens in the earth, what should we do? We got to remember God didn't create all these problems. God has the solution. He's the answer. And all I got to do is do what? Not thank him for the problem. Thank him because he's the solution. What am I going to thank him? Because he's good. What am I going to thank him for? Because he is good. This doesn't mean he's doing these things because he's good. No, in the midst of all that, I'm reminding myself something. God's good. He didn't cause this. He's not creating this havoc. He's not creating these problems. Thank God he has given me the way out. Amen? Amen. So number two, number one, you got to remember if I've got God, I got all I need. Learn to live content with the fact that you've got God. He'll never leave you nor forsake him. Number two, practice a life of thanksgiving. Because when he says in everything give thanks, what's that tell me and you? We got to practice this. Because I will promise you again, like I said a moment ago, go to Psalms 107. It's not hard to thank God and be grateful when stuff goes good, but what about when things get tough? So you gotta, you got to recognize and deal with yourself in relationship to times that you are frustrated or things aren't going right. 
That's when you got to really get down on, on, uh, on your old fleshy nature and say, nope, I'm going to be grateful. My God has a way out. Hasn't changed him. Praise the Lord. In the midst of situation, they're not treating me good. My boss is treating me horrible. Thank God I got a job. Thank God my God can work in my job. Thank God he can help turn this situation around. Glory to God. He can't turn it around by you complaining about your job. He can't turn it around by you complaining about your boss. But he can if you start doing what? Remain grateful. Why? Because it starts causing your faith to abound. And it gives God a place to work. All right. I'm going to walk you through uh, one, two, three, four, five sets of verses here. Psalm 107 is the place to live if you want to walk in gratitude. It, it is the psalm to live in if you want to walk in gratitude. Because you're going to see this phrase over and over and over again. All that men would give thanks. Over and over and over. So we should be giving thanks. Now I'm going to relate to you five things out of this psalm that will help you in relating to what we are thanking God for about his goodness. You ready? Yes. All right. Verse 1. We're going to look at, there, there are two verses at a time. Each one's going to have two verses to it. The first one is Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. You could read the whole psalm, but we're going to focus in on these key uh, statements here. Every single time they come up. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Tell me why. Shout it at me. So why are we thanking God? Because he's not bad. He's not bringing bad. He's not, he's, he's not you know, uh, abandoning us. Abandoning us. Abandoning <laughs> He's not abandoning. I can't even say that. He hasn't abandoned you. <laughs> As we read, he's there in the midst of what you're going through. So notice this. Give thanks to the Lord. Why again? Tell me. Notice this. His mercy does what? So again, remember what those lepers were asking for. Yeah, but look what I've done. I know God's good, but look what I've done. No, 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 no. So you remind yourself, guess what? His mercy endures forever. Look at verse 2. Here's the key on this one. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Whom he has, not going to, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So, five things you can do in relationship to giving God thanks about his goodness. And here's the first one. All that men, uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God and you have already delivered me, redeemed. You've already delivered me from the hand of the enemy. So number one, no matter what you're going through, and if it is an attack of the enemy, what you need to start doing is immediately saying, thank you, Lord, I'm redeemed from this. Thank you, Lord, I have been delivered from the hand of the enemy. The blood of Jesus has already provided my liberty from the hand of the enemy. Not going to. So no matter what the attack may be in the relationship to what you're dealing with from a perspective of the enemy doing the attack. Now realize again, if we're uh, self-inflicting wounds in our lives, we need to correct what we're doing to cause that to happen. But the first thing I can thank God for of the five things here as it relates to Thanksgiving is he's not going to redeem me from the hand of the enemy. He already has. So Thanksgiving is acknowledging it is already so. Thank you, Lord. 
that you have already done what was needed to deliver me out from the hand of the enemy. Yeah, but look what's going on. Thank you, Lord, that you have already done what was needed to deliver me out of the hand of the enemy. Now, if that takes me getting understanding from you of what I need to do, situations I'm facing, dealing with. I remember uh, Nancy Dufresne talking about this after her husband passed away. When her husband passed away, she faced all kinds of lawsuits on all kinds of properties and different things and stuff that she was unaware of because her husband took care of all that stuff. And so she wound up in a lot of situations dealing with a lot of stuff with a lot of people over stuff of the ministry and even personal life, not stuff he had done wrong, just things that hadn't been finished or handled or whatever. And now people are coming after her for money and property and all this kind of stuff. And I remember in one of these things, the Lord showed her very clearly. He said, here's the key. You know, she would take time to pray in the spirit about these things until she heard from the Lord. And in one of them, she actually had gotten a a letter from the IRS. And the letter had, had, you know, warned her about something with the, you know, past money or some some issue, whatever. And she got this word from the Lord. Now, this is what you got to do to thank God. You got to get to the place where you hear what does God say to do about that situation. And so, because we know he's already delivered us from the hand of the enemy, but in this case, as she was thanking God that was so, and praying in the Spirit, God said, stand firm. That's all he gave her. Stand firm. So, in the midst of that challenge, over and over and over and over again, she just stood her ground, stood firm, and kept thanking God, you've already handled this, you've already done this. And three months later, guess what? It was a done deal. It was a done deal. God took care of it. Just totally went away. So you got to understand, God has redeemed me. Say he has. You're not going to. So we're not saying, oh, thank you, Lord, that somehow you'll make a way out of this. Wrong. Thank you, Lord, that somehow, I don't know, I don't know how. You, the Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And I just know somehow, some way, you'll, no, 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 no. He didn't say he's going to. He said he has. So what do you do in giving thanks and all things in relationship to what you're dealing with? You start thanking God. He's already helped me to be, he's already done what's needed, excuse me, to be free from this. So I'm thanking him now for my freedom, my my liberty in Jesus' name from the hand of the enemy. Can I get a shout of amens? Verse 8 is the next one. Number two of the five times it comes up in these verses. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord again. Why? For his goodness, for his Wonderful works to who? The children of men. Nine, for he satisfies. Listen to this. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with what? Now, if he fills the hungry soul with goodness, go back to verse 8. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Verse 1 says, for he is good. He fills the hungry soul with what? Himself. Himself. So here's the second key that you want to focus on in the area of giving thanks to God in relationship to walking in gratitude. You and I need to thank God consistently and continually that I already have everything that's good because I have God. Amen? Amen? I already have everything that's good because I have what? God. Thank you, Lord, that I already have everything there is that's good. Yeah, but I don't have this, and I don't have that thing, and I don't have this thing and that thing. I thank God that I have everything that's good because I have God. So when you look at situations where the enemy would try to say, yeah, but you don't have that kind of marriage. Yeah, but you don't have that kind of finances. Yeah, but you don't have that kind of home. I thank God. I thank God I have all that's good because I have God. I have God. 
And if you truly walk in gratitude towards that, what's going to happen? He's going to satisfy you. He's going to satisfy you. Amen? He's going to fill the hungry soul with goodness and satisfy the longing soul. So realize, number two, we need to thank him that I already got everything that's good because I've got God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 15, number three, verse 15, all that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, 16, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. What has he done? He's broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Number three, thank him for his mighty power. Thank him for his mighty power. So no matter what you face, guess what? It isn't more powerful than my God. It isn't, he can break the bars. He can totally destroy whatever needs to be destroyed. So what do you thank him for? I thank you for your mighty power, Lord. As I am giving thanks to you, walking in gratitude, whatever situation I'm in, I thank God he is more powerful than this situation. No matter what it is, praise God. My God is more powerful. He has already, say already. He has already done what? He has already broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. That's your mighty power of your God at work in your life. Verse 21, already done. Number four, you still with me? All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works to the children of men, 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Rejoicing. Tell me out loud again. Rejoicing. So this means that you and I, number four, in the midst of adversity, we need to rejoice in our God. In the midst of adversity, no matter what challenge we're faced with, how bad it is, start rejoicing. Start praising. Start magnifying. If you want to say it that way, because that's what you're doing. What are we doing in the midst of adversity? We're, we're making our God far bigger. Yes. So in the midst of adversity, to walk in gratitude, what do you do? Start praising. Start rejoicing. Start magnifying your God. Because as you do, he becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in your view. And now all of a sudden as you're doing that, again, what does Thanksgiving do? It causes our faith to abound. Because your problem that seems so big now, all of a sudden, ain't going to seem so big anymore. If you want to say it this way, and I talk about rejoicing because what you're doing is you're magnifying God. You could say it this way, number four, in the midst of adversity, magnify your God. So be magnifying him, not the problem. The last one is found in verse 31. Is this helping you at all? Verse 31, all that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, 32, let them do what? Exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. So number five, if you want to practice a lifestyle of gratitude and thanksgiving, guess what you should get really good at doing when you're in church? What you should get really good at while you're, while you're in church with the assembly is doing what? Is truly lifting up your voice and giving praise to God. I mean, if you can't praise God in the midst of the assembly, you're probably not going to do it when you walk outside. You listening? So in the midst of the assembly, what should we be doing? In the midst of our time together as we gather as a church, what should we be doing? Praising our God. 31, 32, let men give thanks to God for his goodness, his wonderful works to men. Let them exalt him also 
in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. So every time we come together, we get an opportunity to even practice our thanksgiving and our gratitude to God even more. So when you come here, you should have no problem joining together as a church family to exalt God and to praise God. Want to go back over one more time? Verse 1 and 2, number 1, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. What am I thanking God here for? Already delivered, Lord. I'm already delivered. You know, again, I mentioned this in a previous deal we did on healing. When it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, we're not just supposed to say, I'm redeemed. What, what are we supposed to declare if we're the redeemed of the Lord saying so? What are we, what are we supposed to be declaring? I'm already delivered. Been bought with a price, I belong to God. Let the redeemed of the, come on, I taught you this in the healing series. Let the redeemed of the, so if I'm declaring this in thanksgiving to God, what am I saying? Let me tell you something, attack on my body. You're not Lord. Jesus is Lord of my body. See, I'm showing gratitude and thanksgiving to Jesus as the Lord of my body. In whatever situation you're facing, Jesus is Lord over your life. Acknowledge it. I've already been what? I've already been delivered from the hand of the enemy. Because he's my Lord. How do you know you're delivered from the hand of the enemy? He's my Lord. Not the enemy. Acknowledge it. Praise God for it. And thank God for him being the Lord over your life. Lord over your body. Lord over your, uh, over your soul. Over your mind. Your will. Your emotions. Whatever attack you're dealing with. And then number two again. Verse eight. Tells us that we're to give thanks to God, verse 9. And he satisfies what? The longing soul. And he fills the, the hungry soul with what? Goodness. So what should we be doing here in number 2? We should be thanking God that I've got everything that's good because I've got God. This really helps in times when stuff doesn't seem to be going well and you feel like, man, if I just had this or just had that or if this situation was different or that. No, stop and say, thank God I've got all I need because I've got God. This will help you to develop a better uh, understanding of a lifestyle of gratitude, which, by the way, is going to cause your faith to do what? Abound. Abound. 15 and 16, verse 16, number 3. For he has broken the gates of bronze and done what? Cut the bars of iron. Begin, begin to give thanks and rejoice in any situation to God that the very mighty power of my God has already at work in me and has done what needs, needed to be done. My God is a mighty God. He is a God of mighty power. There is nothing too difficult for my God. Hallelujah. And as you're doing that, you're doing what? Gratitude, walking in thanksgiving. Number four, verses 21 and 22. Verse 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Declare his works with what? Rejoicing. What's number four? In the midst of adversity, the midst of the challenging times of life, do what? You begin to rejoice and give God praise in the midst of what you're faced with. Whatever the situation is, you begin to rejoice and give God praise for the very fact that he has already provided all that's needed for you in Jesus' name. Don't let that adversity overtake you. You begin to declare his works with rejoicing. 31, the last one, number 5, uh, uh, verse 31, 32, 32, let them, as we just said, exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. You need to learn to practice when you come to church. You need to learn to practice to begin to rejoice and give God praise and thanks in the midst of the assembly with all the believers. And therefore, you're not thinking about you and what everybody else thinks about you. You're thinking about your God. Thinking about your God. So Psalm 107 
And those five statements about giving thanks to God is a great place to live and develop an understanding of how you and I can live with a heart of gratitude. And ladies and gentlemen, the more gratitude you live with, the happier life's going to be, the stronger your joy will become, the easier you'll walk in a trust with your God, and the closer you're going to walk with your God, because guess what you're doing? You're acknowledging Him. I will add again to the, the actual fourth one there in verse 22, re- declaring His works by rejoicing. What are you actually doing there again? You're magnifying God. You're not magnifying the problem. You're magnifying God. Amen? Amen. Did this help you at all? Yes. Praise God. Develop, I, 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 I challenge you, develop a, huh? Yeah, I, I challenge you, develop a life of gratitude every day where you really need to work on practicing uh, gratitude and thanksgiving to God, where you really need to work on that, is start looking at the things that frustrate you. Start looking at the things that get to you and know what they are, Okay. So relationship to me and you as a believer, I got to know what my weaknesses are. If I know what my weaknesses are, I can pay attention to them and I can develop more in those areas so I'm not so weak anymore. So start thinking about stuff that really gets to you, stuff that really, you know, is just something that takes away your gratitude and your thankfulness for what God's already done in your life. Where all of a sudden you get so caught up with the way somebody's treating you, a situation, whatever. So understand where those weaknesses are and start saying, that's the times that I'm going to really zero in on focusing on showing gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Because the more I can do that, the better I'm going to get. And if I do that, it's going to help my faith become stronger. Amen. Yes, you you get stronger in that area. You strengthen yourself. This morning when you were talking about this, I thought of this story and it came back to me tonight. So I thought I should share it because it's helped me so much. There was a time back in Brother Hagen's ministry when, you know, this was before social media, of course. And back then, if really the way word got out was through Christian TV and Christian magazines, things like that. If something was being said about you, well... Some minister, I don't, know, I don't know who he was, but he wrote a book about how Brother Hagen was a false prophet. And so there had been a, yeah, I know. Um, I don't think things turned out well for him. And um, there was a, a leading evangelist on TV that was talking about it and basically endorsing it. Well, you know, at that time, we were talking about the 80s, you know, that could be a ministry ending <laughs> event for anybody because now over Christian TV and over um, through these Christian magazines that everyone's getting, they're declaring, you know, that he's a false prophet. So um, I heard this story from, from Miss Billy because, of course, she worked with him and every week they had a weekly staff meeting. And the week that this broke... They were going into their staff meeting, and they were all just like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say, you know. And she said, of course, we're all ready with our torches, you know. We're ready to go out and, you know, fight for our man of God. And she said he walked in the staff meeting room, and everybody's just, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone's just waiting to hear what's going to happen. And if you followed Brother Hagen, remember how he would twiddle his thumbs, you know, he just walked in with a big smile on his face and said, isn't Jesus wonderful? That's all. He never said a word about it. He didn't give it place. That's right, Bill. He didn't give it place. He gave it no attention. 
He said, isn't Jesus wonderful? We're to focus on the goodness of God, even when the enemy's attacking us. I mean, that there was no, you know, stronger way the enemy could have attacked him at that time than how he did. But he gave it no, he, he spoke nothing about it. And do you know, because of how he handled it, that's the what I want to get a point across to you in this, how he handled it. His ministry, it never wavered. It only increased. But what if he would have handled it the way your flesh would have want to handle it and say, I'm going to, I'm going to come out, I'm going to fight, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to stand up for myself. Who knows what may have happened, but he didn't. He just focused on the goodness of God and how wonderful he is. And I do that so many times now. I just think, and I'll look at pastor when something's said or something's happened. I'll just say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Because if we'll focus on that, he'll take care of the rest of it. Amen. And like I said, I don't remember who that was, but I do remember I pretty much remember, I think she said that his ministry is no longer around. But look at, the, at the, what Brother Hagen poured into those around him, and his teachings are still affecting the entire planet. <laughs> Amen? So it's how you handle those things. Just like what he, Pastor just read out of Psalms 107, are you going to give him thanks, or are you going to complain about the situation you're in? When you give him thanks, that allows him to work it out. You don't have to work it out for yourself. Amen. Amen. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.